Make the most out of your daily commute or next road trip in a new Audi from Audi Atlanta. And what better way to do it than behind the wheel of a stylish Audi A5 Sportback? Hey, it's Finn, along with my friends at Audi Atlanta, here to introduce this city to the Audi A5 Sportback. With a versatile and athletic design, the beauty lies within, combining the sleekness of a coupe with the practicality of a four-door hatchback. And right now, you can lease the Audi A5 Sportback for $537 per month. Find yours at AudiAtlanta.com. And use the Jim Ellis Expressway to start or complete your entire purchase online or shop in person on Petrie Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Experience the thrill of driving like never before at Audi Atlanta. Offer applies to a 36-month lease, 2024 Audi A5 Sportback 40, 537 per month, 10,000 miles per year with 4731 due at signing. Example stock number A25954 MSRP 49,905 excludes tax, tag, and title fees. Offer expires 531.24 with approved credit. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a catch. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline, pylon, touchdown, and the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine, yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame, waiting for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my status escalate. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast, the first episode of 2018 and Aaron the stage is set the college football playoff national championship game is coming up this Monday in Atlanta Georgia and it is going to be the Georgia Bulldogs against the Alabama Crimson Tide that's right an all SEC national championship and we have to recap what exactly went on in the semifinal games this past Monday The Rose Bowl with Georgia and Oklahoma, and then the Sugar Bowl with Alabama and Clemson. What a weekend. What intense football games, most notably that Rose Bowl. And that's as objective as I can be, Aaron, because everybody's saying it was one of the best college football games ever played. And you, my man, were there to take it all in. Yeah, by far probably the most exciting game I've ever witnessed, uh, been a part of. I mean, it was just pandemonium from from the start i mean we got there at the rose bowl we got there about 9 a.m in the morning because everyone's saying it's gonna be heavy traffic get there early get ready to rock and roll uh we had some fun tailgating getting around and and i tell you what from the minute we stepped foot in just the general area it's a beautiful area right there in the mountains the minute we got there it was 80 percent georgia fans of all course. over the place I, I couldn't tell you if i saw for for extended periods of time any oklahoma fans it was everywhere you turn there's a dog fan. There's another dog fan. It's just like this is they completely took over Pasadena. It was a special sight to see. And then you really knew it when it when it came to the fourth quarter. And obviously when the new tradition they started this year, when they get the lights on the phone yeah, the and they start rocking. Yep. Obviously, the one half, the Georgia side was completely all Georgia. Then you look on the other side and, and there's huge pockets of just Georgia fans right out. in there in the Sooners area. So really was, I think, about 65, 70 percent dogs fans in the building that night which was awesome to see they brought the energy i don't know if i'm a little bit more biased or not but i swear when when we were on defense it was a loud it was a lot louder 
than when they were on defense. So I think crowd noise was huge, huge in our favor, especially in the second half when we started rolling. But I tell you what, it is a special team. And we've been talking about it all year. It's it's the leadership. Yeah. These senior leaders that decided to come back for their senior year. They could have left last year. They could have been first round draft picks, second round draft picks, third round draft picks, been on NFL rosters, making millions of dollars. They said, not so fast. I want to come back. I want to win a championship. We have the makings of being a very special team. And that's what won the game for them last night. For sure. Because an inexperienced team, a young football team doesn't go into that second half and outscore Oklahoma. They wither, they fall apart, they lose. Oh, Georgia, with their leadership, with Kirby Smart and those seniors, said not so fast. We got a whole half of football to play. We're going to come back, and that's what they did. And and it was an unbelievable, unbelievable sight. It was unbelievable. Okay, so let's talk about what happened. And we're going to start with the Rose Bowl. We'll get to the Sugar Bowl in just a bit. But Georgia defeated Oklahoma by a score of 54-48, to 48, and this game went into double overtime Georgia was a two-point favorite the over-under was 60 so that was easily taken care of but Georgia covered and got the win outright and the over was blown out of the water but Aaron this was a tale of two halves you and I debated it all last week when we talked about it I said I didn't see Oklahoma scoring 30 points in the game I thought they'd scored 24 maybe 28 points I just thought Georgia would be able to at least draw something up to slow down Baker Mayfield and this offense. Obviously, I was wrong. Got to give props to our guy, David Pollock. He called it out when the bowl matchup was released immediately, saying Baker and OU would put 30 on Georgia easy. They did just that in the first half. I don't think the ball touched the ground. Georgia's best defense was an incomplete pass, and what was most alarming as I sat in my on my couch was Oklahoma's running game getting going. I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, this is going to be a very, very long day for Georgia. Baker Mayfield with that delayed read option and those quick decisions, he was able to do pretty much whatever he wanted at will, and Georgia didn't have an answer. They missed a field goal. Baker does the throat slash saying it's over. There was still a lot of football left to be played, but Aaron, you were in the stadium. When Oklahoma decided to squib kick with six seconds left in the first half, and Tay Crowder made the play of the game and snagged the ball, and not only was it a heads-up play in situational football for him to catch it, but he went immediately to the ground, just as you're coached in those situational football practices. They jog it off. Fromm throws a dime of an out route right to the first down marker. The clock stops, and Rodrigo makes a 55-yarder before half to put points on the board, and Georgia goes down only 17 points at halftime. Oklahoma was getting the ball after the half, and Georgia started the second half to perfection. Three and out, got the ball. Sony house call 75 yards. The whole game flipped right there, and it was all Georgia from there on out. Yeah, it completely changed. You want to talk about, like you said, a tale of two different halves. First half, Oklahoma, their first six possessions, five scores, four touchdowns, one field goal, 375 yards on 41 plays. So they're, they're averaging 9.1 yards per play that first half. Their next five possessions after that, zero scores, 35, 37 yards on 20 plays. So you go from averaging 9.1 yards per play to start the half, to start the game. Second half, averaging 1.9 yards per play. I mean, and Kirby's known for this. Kirby's known, especially back the at Alabama, 
making the adjustments at half times, figuring out what's going on. And like you said, Rodney Anderson running back for Oklahoma. That was my biggest surprise. I knew Baker would be special. I knew Baker would, would win with his feet, moving around the pocket, extending plays, being accurate down the football field, utilizing his great tight end, his speedy receivers. I didn't think Rodney Anderson would be able to run the ball like he did, especially early on. And one of the things that kind of, I'm not going to say it's bad coaching or bad decision making. I thought we came out a little bit too excited on yeah. defense, a little bit too much energy, a little bit too downhill. And that could be and expected saw, to a and point, you right? Saw, and you saw it the first couple of plays, and, and Oklahoma took advantage of it. Yeah. They utilized the play-action pass. They got Baker out of the pocket. Everyone's heavy downhill. Then all of a sudden you have a tight end on an over route wide open, and then you're reeling. This Oklahoma offense, along with all these other oh, big 12 so offenses, good. They just need one first down. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where Georgia got success in the second half. Oklahoma couldn't get a first down. If they get going in the no all offense, they're feeling good. You're guessing as a defense, are they going to run it? Are they going to pass it? Are they going to play action? Are they going to bootleg it? If you put them behind the chains a little bit early, they can't do all that stuff. It's a little bit more in your hands. First half, they couldn't stop them. They're again, first down after first down after first down. Uh, really no answer. So great job. Second half started with a great first possession, getting them to go three and out, getting the ball back. And then finally, and I was just, I'll tell you what, I was livid at halftime, just going crazy. Like, why are we not running oh, the football? That's, that's why, all we, everybody was talking we, about. We get a 50 media. yard run. We get a 50 yard run and we want to get cute. So there's about what? Three, four minutes to go into halftime. We we're backed up at the two yard line. We get a nice 40 something yard run. We get to about the 40, 45 yard line. We try to get cute, do plash and get sacked, lose yards. And all of a sudden we have to put the ball in my head, run the football, run the clock out, hold the ball, almost like, like basketball. When yeah. those guys are going to hold it for the last shot of the, of the half, the quarter, whatever it is, do that, hold it for the end of the half. Either you score 3.7 points or no one scores any points at all. Instead, you get cute. Like I said, you try to throw a bomb down the field. You get sacked. They go down there and score a touchdown. And really, then and then it comes to them boneheaded play by just trying to squib kick it, kick it. But I thought Cheney, his game plan in the first half was not great. I think we played right into their hands of trying to play fast, trying to throw the ball a little bit too much instead of saying, we're going to own the clock. We're going to run it down your throat. We're going to physically dominate you, and we're going to keep your offense on the sideline, which we did none of that that first half. Second half, we switched it up. I think he might have listened to the podcast in between halves, realized what he needs to do, and they did it. No, they did, and you and I were texting throughout the game when Georgia was snapping the ball on offense with 16 seconds left on the play clock. We said it last week. Georgia needed to play keep away, be patient, and snap the ball with five, three seconds left on the play clock and just eat up as much of the game clock as you can. Admittedly, Aaron, I was wrong. I did not think Oklahoma's offense would be that elite against the defense a statistically sound defense as Georgia was. Baker did well, 23-35 for 287 yards and two touchdowns. Rodney Anderson, the running back, you just said it, 26 carries, 201 yards, and two touchdowns. But one thing I was spot on about, Aaron, Oklahoma's defense sucks. They are terrible. That Okoronkwo kid, he's pretty damn good on the edge. He made some splash plays for sure. But everybody's going to talk about Sonny Michelle. 
Obviously, they should do that. 11 carries, 181 yards, and three touchdowns with the catching touchdown and receiving touchdown as well. Nick Chubb, 14 carries, 145 yards, and two touchdowns. Look, if you have two guys who can run the ball like that and score five touchdowns on the ground, you're going to win the football game most of the time. But the unsung hero yesterday, Aaron, a certain Jake Fromm, 20 of 29, 210 yards, two touchdowns, an absolutely masterfully managed football game, cool as a cucumber, true freshman, Rose Bowl, going up against the Heisman Trophy winner. He's damn good, and I think it's time to stop saying this is a true freshman because he just proves it again and again that he can deliver in big-time situations because he knows what he has to do to be successful. Completely agree. First, we're going to go back to the run game a little bit, and then their awful defense, Oklahoma's awful defense. Awful. I tell you what, if our running backs, which you saw it all day between Sony and Nick, if they were able to get past the second level, I've never seen safeties in my entire life so scared to make a tackle. But oh, you could watch dude. on the film. It's embarrassing. Yeah. They were purposely taking bad angles. Horrible. So they angles. wouldn't have to take one-on-one with Sony or Nick in the open field trying to make a tackle. I mean, those those 70-yard touchdown, the 50-yard touchdown runs, the big ones, if you have a an, an average safety that's on a touchdown, it's not. You know how to take the proper angle to For kind sure. of near, all you to push the guy to the sideline. You tackle him. It's a 20-yard gain. It's not a 50-, 60-, 70-yard touchdown run. The the angles, the purposely not trying to tackle them, it was kind of almost comical a little bit, just the respect our guys have and just how scared they were. And and they weren't used to those big of running backs running that fast, that downhill, and they wanted none of it. Uh, but going no. back to your second point, Jake Fromm, I tell you what, and I said it last week when I was on, we we're doing a little pre-show with CBS. And I was like, this guy has been in enough big games by now. I yes. mean, he's been, he's played in Notre Dame. He's played in the cocktail versus Florida. He's, he's played in the SEC championship game. He's played at Auburn. He, 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 he knows what to do. He's a seasoned vet at this point in his career. He has 14 games under his belt. He's played in high intensity environments and he's excelled and he does a great job. And I still think we do a great job of really playing to his strengths uh, not doing too much craziness. I can't tell you uh, there wasn't a lot of crazy design uh, pass plays out there, but the plays that were designed, he's accurate. He gets the ball out on time. And, and the biggest play I thought of the game, which I just loved, we had the ball. We're driving it tight at the end of the game. We had a dig route coming from right to left, about a 10-yard in, in route. Threads the needle. Threads. I think it was third down. Yes. Threads the needle, a beautiful pass. We go and score a couple plays later. But that play to send the pocket – throw it and previously two plays before that he eluded a, an open rusher made yeah. a miss oh, the ball man. Sony. I mean those plays you don't see a freshman doing and you want to talk about the comparison between Jake Fromm and, and Baker Mayfield and obviously Baker had the some of the big more exciting plays I, I don't want always the highs and lows and, and 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 Jake watching him yesterday and watching him all season he's just so consistent for sure. Each and every game, there's no, there's no bad quarter. There's no great. It's just he plays really, really good football at all times during the game. You know what you're going to get. He's completing 65 to 70 percent of his passes. He's not turning the ball over. He's throwing the touchdowns when they're there. I just think that consistent football is what has really got this team rolling right right now, and it's been really impressive to see. Tell me, uh, you know, as a quarterback, I mean, obviously you've done it all in college. You were in the NFL for a while. What was the atmosphere like in there? I mean, when you walked in, 
everybody's super hyped up. I know that. But was there any reason to doubt that Georgia or Oklahoma couldn't handle the moment because it is the granddaddy of them all? It is a college football playoff semifinal game. Or did each team seem like, hey, we're ready for this and we know exactly what to expect? I think both teams, and it starts with great coaching. I think yeah. they both teams have phenomenal coaches. And I think both teams have, have, have great leadership from their juniors and seniors. Obviously, you look at Oklahoma, you got you got your leader, the Heisman guy, Baker Mayfield, who has more confidence than I think most people in the entire world. So you know he's not going to come in there and gun shy. And if you got a quarterback that's that juice, that excited, that showing that much emotion, I think guys on the team just buy into that. And then you flip the script and look at Georgia with their senior leadership. Those guys from the running back position to the defensive positions, that they they've been in these type of games, they've been in these type of high atmosphere uh, likes, you know places and obviously Kirby's been coaching in, in these big games for a long time now so he understands how to get these guys rocking and rolling so no I thought I felt no hesitation from either team I thought they came out swinging uh, I tell you what, it was a great game but I hope the Georgia fans don't get too excited about this offense Ooh, you know a 54 yeah, point different beast coming and up we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the Alabama but that is a different beast on defense those guys were flying flying around the football oh, but man. the Rose Bowl was fun man it's a special place it's a special game and I think I think I read something earlier. Jake Fromm, first freshman quarterback to win the yep, Rose Bowl. That is correct. So that's just keep adding it, buddy. You're doing no, a hell of a job. No question. Uh, when you were in the stadium, there was a play where Oklahoma's offense had not been doing too well. Obviously, this is in the second half, and Julian Rochester kind of jumped on Baker Mayfield a little bit late. I thought it was a good no call, but man, Baker was on the ground, and Rochester like got on top of him and kind of threw his whole body onto him, and it looked like his knee kind of kicked Baker like in the kidney area. And Baker got up. I mean, he was shook. I mean, they showed him on the sideline. He's kind of looking around going like, did that just happen? And I think, and tell me this because you're a quarterback, when you're cruising like that and you're pretty much playing against the air and the ball's not touching the ground and then you have two, three and outs and you get absolutely rocked on a play late, you're kind of sitting there going, oh, shit, like this game's changing and you can feel the momentum swinging. I certainly felt it sitting on my couch and understood. I think that's when I saw Baker kind of, like you said, those highs and those lows. They're pretty drastic each way and – Second half coaching adjustments. This defense, I mean, Roquan Smith, it's like a broken record. 11 tackles. Guy is a freak with his closing speed, side to side speed covering the field. Lorenzo Carter had 10 tackles. And of course, the blocked field goal in overtime. What an overall effort. Special teams for Georgia won this game off that squib kick. I will die on that grave, brother. That was an unbelievable play, and it's so fun and so good to see Georgia excel in situational football because it's been a long time since that's been the case. Yeah, they look great in situational football. And and, and Baker, I tell you what, he, he did look rattled that second half. You know, it is a different ball game when all of a sudden, and I think we did a better job of not only just blitzing the edges. Uh, I think that's something we did the first half. We were bringing edge pressure, fire zone blitzes off one edge. They were running the opposite way, or Baker Mayfield was running the other way or throwing a quick hot pass. They started bringing a little bit more pressure up the middle, which I think we've shown versus Auburn and then obviously in the second half versus Oklahoma that we are a better football team when we're able to get pressure up the middle. Yes. And that's the worst thing for a quarterback because if things are coming from your edges, you can usually – there's a hot throw to your right. There's a hot throw to your left. You can step up into the pocket. But when you have pressure right in your face, when you got your center, your guards in front of you or a guy running scot-free, there's not a lot of places to go. And especially when you're dealing with a quarterback and and, and I've, I've had these difficulties that are – that's six foot, six one. 
you know, you can see if you can step up in the pocket, you can see fine, but all of a sudden you get six, five, six, six guys being pushed back in your face that throws your vision off. And you saw him a little bit flustered. He has having to get outside the pocket. Uh, so I think that's when we really start to excel defensively. When we said, Hey, listen, we're going to bring our big linebackers right up the middle. We're going to push the pocket pocket from the inside out. Uh, and that's when they started whooping some butt, knocking him around. And he was a completely different quarterback for about a quarter and a half in that second half. And then obviously the big drive to tie it up later oh in the game gosh, uh, with some dude. big time throws was really impressive. Uh, I still thought he had a really good game. The, uh, the interception was just a poor decision. I think that was when it, he was kind of in his low moment at that moment, not playing too well, but for the majority of the day, it just, it was a really fun watching a Heisman winner, a guy that could be that creative, bring that much excitement. And I thought he did a great job. It's just the, the Georgia defense did just a tremendous job adjusting to him that second half. Yeah, the adjustments were really the key to the entire game. And then I think, obviously, Aaron, it plays in your favor when you get an offense like Oklahoma in that overtime-type situation where they're only working with 25 yards. Um, and Georgia did exactly what they needed to do. And I think the play calling for Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, de- deserves a little bit of blame in overtime because it well, was not awful. as creative. Not as creative well, as it needed to be. You're going to go third down and short, and you're not going to give the ball to your Heisman winner. Yeah. yeah. You're going to give a, a quick jet sweep. If, if, I'm, if I have the game in the line, you're down by three points in overtime, you have a chance to win the football game, it's third and two or three or whatever it was, and you're going to call a jet sweep. I'm putting the ball in my Heisman winner, the yes. guy who's gotten you there, the guy who's made all the plays left and right. Find a way, either a bootleg, a zone read, where that option of maybe throw the ball in the flat, something, a quick hitter. You got a big six 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 seven tight end who who you should be using in those situations. They didn't do it. They did jet sweep, and I thought that was probably one of the worst calls besides the, the squib kick that I saw that night. Oh. So <laughs> I think they really screwed themselves a lot. They uh, really did. Play calling. They really did, and and whoever that coach is that said squib kick it, I want to know who it is. Uh, I'll send you an edible arrangement. I, I made that plea on Twitter last night because that was just an absolute boneheaded decision, coaching malpractice. So Georgia wins 54-48 to in double overtime, and they are going to the national championship game, which is, of course, Monday, January 8th at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, and they are playing none other than – the Alabama Crimson Tide, who, remember, did not even go to the SEC championship game because they lost to Auburn. They manhandled Clemson, the number one ranked Clemson Tigers, in the Sugar Bowl. They beat them 24-6, to and this one was not even close. Alabama flexed their muscles. The defense looked outstanding. Kelly Bryant and that Clemson offense did not have an answer. Alabama's going to take away your plan A. Aaron, they did not have a plan B, or if they did, they were not able to execute on it. Only six points, and Alabama just rolled. They looked healthy. They got a little bit banged up throughout the course of the game, but they seemed angry, and they played ferocious, and they wanted revenge, and all these things that you don't want to hear an Alabama team talk about. They executed at the end of the day, and they beat Clemson's ass, for lack of a better term, 24-6. to Big-time matchup. Monday night, and of course, right here on the Punt and Pass podcast, we will be giving you an episode every day leading up to the big game, and uh, we can't wait. Aaron, I did the math in my head, and since the Punt and Pass podcast was incepted, two teams in the SEC in the national championship. Is that a coincidence? Because I don't think there are any coincidences about that. No, there's definitely not, and it's a... 
And it just demonstrates that obviously the SEC is the best conference out there. And I agree. And I hope I my biggest concern, and actually Sharon brought this up to me. She goes, You think all the rest of the country is just not gonna tune into this game? I think that's a do very they good not point. care? I, I don't see it. I think I think ESPN has done a tremendous job these past two months of really building up this playoff, of getting everyone involved, whether if you know your team's gonna be a part of it or not be a part of it, just the excitement around it. I think this the the Georgia game was uh, top five televised ga- yeah. like game of all time. I mean, crazy stats. So awesome. People are wanting to tune in and watch this game. Like I said, ESPN has done a tremendous job of hyping all these games up, getting it going for the past two or three months. That even it is two SEC teams. I, I think the entire country will be watching. I think uh, both both fan bases will travel. Obviously, Georgia's going to travel well. They'll crush it. And Alabama travels well. They'll they'll get plenty of tickets and and get that place packed out. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But Woo, Alabama, <laughs> baby. I, just, I miss I missed the first half, so I got there about halftime. Oh uh, we found God. a little restaurant to watch it. And you want to talk about a team that looked pissed off. They looked fresh. They looked angry. Uh, they looked great defensively. And I was a little surprised. Kelly Bryant, I thought he's done a tremendous job these past few weeks. He's looked calm. He's looked cool, collective, all that good stuff. And he was rattled yeah. the entire night. Uh, did not look good. Was not aggro. Not making great decisions with his legs, with his arms. But... I tell you what, Alabama, they, they are <laughs> a, when they're healthy, man. And I know you've been saying it, Clemson, a healthy Clemson's the yeah, best team. At, I think we, we saw it this week, a healthy Alabama may be the best team in the country. Obviously they're going to have a chance to prove it this weekend uh, or on Monday night when they play Georgia, but they look physical. They look strong. They look fast. And then Jalen hurts does what Jalen hurts does. Nothing special in the air. 16, 24, 120, nothing that's going to wow you, but he doesn't two to. touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, they just played great defense. I mean, they didn't even have a ton of rushing yards, only 141 rushing yards, not a lot offensively, but you really don't need to. And your defense is kicking that much, butt, uh, which that, which they're known to be doing now from time to time. Yeah. I mean, they held Clemson to 188 total yards. They forced two interceptions that Kelly Bryant has been avoiding during Clemson's really good run through the ACC championship. But Man, you know, rushing yards. How many rushing yards they had? They had like 64 rushing yards. 64 64 rushing yards. I mean, okay, so here's my question. We're going to get into this all week long. I'll save the question. I'll save the question because Georgia knows and Kirby knows exactly what to expect from Nick Saban and this Alabama defense. It's just, it's so crazy the matchup that's coming because Georgia is going to face a much, much better defense. I mean, you can't even put them on the same page. But on the flip side, Aaron, the offense that they just played, I mean, Alabama's offense looks pedestrian at times compared to what Georgia just had to put up with. So, I don't know. I mean, I mean it could breaking be, it's, it, down it could the be game. be a very low-scoring game. I, I mean, obviously, there's a lot more to look at it and prep for this game. I think the one big advantage, and I'm going to harp on it all week right now, and I think it's a huge, huge advantage for Alabama – is the fact that Georgia played a, a two overtime game, I, I was a just highly about to emotional, a highly emotional game in yes. Alabama. They won that game early. That game was over third quarter. They knew it was over. They're yep. feeling good. It's not just about physically, but sometimes it's just the emotional highs oh and lows of the game. And Georgia was a complete roller coaster, and that wears you out. And then Alabama, they didn't have that emotional roller coaster of we're going to win, we're going to lose, we're going to win, we're going to lose. They knew it from the very beginning. They were going to win. They played like it. They dominated that game. It was a business trip. It's over with. So one, they don't have to deal with that. It's a quick travel home. 
Georgia didn't land till 6 a.m. this morning. I know, dude. They're on a plane all night, 6 a.m. They lose a day pretty much of preparation from the kids, a day of recovery because it's tough to recover when you're in a plane ride for four hours. Then you had to jump on a bus and travel from Atlanta to Athens. So that's a long, long day flying, traveling after a very emotional, physical football game. Uh, that is, I can't harp enough how much of an advantage that is for Alabama heading into this week of preparation for those yeah, guys. The emotional drain that Georgia's really going to have to put up with until Wednesday evening. You know, thankfully, this national championship game, it kind of takes them out of that regular routine, right? I mean, Georgia's probably going to go to Atlanta. I think the rule is both teams have to spend the same amount of time on site, if I'm right on that, Aaron. So I think they both go to Atlanta on Friday. They'll spend the weekend in Atlanta, go through all the stuff, media day. Um, you know, it, it's like the Super Bowl for college football. And I wouldn't know, and you wouldn't know because we never played in it, but this is a game that comes with the territory, all of the extracurricular things that you have to do. Georgia put up with it last week in L.A. They had the time to adjust out there, but you said it, the emotional drain. And you, Before we started the podcast today, you said, man, Sharon and I went out to dinner, and then after dinner, dude, we crashed. Because as a fan, the adrenaline up and down, you just crash. So Georgia's going to have to figure out how to overcome just an amazing football game that is going to wear on them emotionally and physically probably until Thursday morning. But if there's anything good, Aaron, it's that Georgia just gets on a bus and goes right down the road to play this next game. They don't have to worry about getting back on a plane. They don't have to worry about going through the rigmarole of team travel. So I guess maybe that evens the playing field for what they had to put up with last night landing at 6 a.m., but, man, what a game. And, and we we could break down the Bama game more, but there's just not that much to break down. They beat Clemson's ass, and they stopped Clemson's plan A, plan B, plan C, and Clemson just wasn't ready for that type of effort from Alabama's defense. No, and this is still a very good uh, Clemson football team, and, and I love them going forward. Obviously, they've done a great job, Dabo Sweeney, of building a culture there at Clemson, recruiting extremely well. And then Kelly Bryant, he's a young quarterback. He's had a great season. Look for him to continue to get better and better. And this is going to be another team next year that's going to be right back in these playoffs, playing extremely well. Uh, they're just, like I said, they've done too good of a job recruiting, building a great defense. And then now you got a great quarterback who's going to have a year under his belt mm -hmm. uh, to go out there and dominate next season. All right, cool. Well, the stage is set, Aaron. 2018 College Football Playoff National Championship game is Monday, January 8th. The fourth-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide taking on the number three-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. This is at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. And Alabama is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is 47 points. And you and I are going to be giving these quick hitters, these 25, 30-minute episodes, every single day this week. We're thinking about possibly doing a live podcast taping. We'll keep you updated on that. We're lining up some awesome guests to get on. We'll keep you up to date on that. We might be doing a live call-in show on Thursday. We will keep you up to date on that. But Aaron, I'm glad you made it back home safe. You are in Atlanta now, ready to rock and roll for the college football playoff national championship. One more thing before we get going. At Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram, punt and pass at gmail.com. Aaron is at Aaron Murray11 on Twitter and Instagram, and I am at Drew Butler13. Continue, please continue to interact with us. We love it. It makes the podcast special. And then after Monday, we're going to announce our top three winners of our Punt and Pass podcast, Bowl Pick'em 
league. Anything else on the way out, my man? No, man. I'm going to try to get some sleep. I yes. know the, the Georgia Bulldogs, hopefully they'll be getting some yeah. sleep tonight too in these next couple of nights and, and getting the juices back and rolling because uh, it's going to be a fun week. I know the, the city of Atlanta, and we harped on a little bit after the SEC championship game, I thought did such a tremendous job of, of presenting itself. I think it looked great. It was an awesome weekend when we did have the SEC championship here. So I'm just hoping for another great weekend. Uh, and it should be some good weather, a little cold. So everyone bring their jackets, yes. get ready to rock and roll, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be energized. And I hope everyone has safe travels and gets ready for an awesome week. Yeah. Safe travels. And most importantly, keep it locked here on the punt and pass podcast for Aaron. I'm drew check back in tomorrow. See you.